warm welcome to episode 16 of the Discovering Alternative Healing Podcast. My name is Sheil and I'll be your host. I'd like to say a big thank you to all the listeners out there finding this podcast and inviting it into your life. Right now, serendipitously, perhaps at this very moment in time, the universe is speaking to you through this podcast and perhaps revealing answers to you. With gratitude for your time and may this podcast be of most benefit to you. I'd like to dedicate this episode to all the alternative healing practitioners, spiritual teachers, wellness coaches, mentors, and health advocates around the globe for their continued commitment in helping others heal and awaken to live healthy, empowered, and content lives with inner peace and wisdom. In this episode, Qigong, Yoga, and Meditation Practitioner, Christina Sanchez talks to us about Qigong as a support to heal our physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies. She expands on how the energy flow from Qigong practice builds vitality and resilience, and within time, one becomes more compassionate, patient, and wise. May this podcast and all of its episodes be of most benefit to you, the listeners. To always get notified of a new podcast, please press follow on the top of your screen. To be part of our Instagram community, we are at Discovering Alternative Healing. Hope to see you there. Additionally, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to drop me a message on the Anchor platform or Instagram. May you continue to be nourished by the power of consciousness. Christina, welcome to the program. And sorry, you are Christina without the H. <laughs> Hi, Sheil. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here. I would like to start off by asking you if you can please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to the path of practicing Qigong, meditation, and yoga. <laughs> sure. Um Boy, where do I begin? Uh, yeah, my name is Christina Sanchez, and I am now living in Nelson, British Columbia. My husband, Matthew, and I, we moved here uh, just before the pandemic in 2019 from Toronto. And uh, so before Nelson, I was in Toronto. Before Toronto, I was in Vancouver. Before Vancouver, I was in Ottawa. And then before that, I was in Toronto and on and on it goes. <laughs> so I've moved around uh, quite a bit. Um for a number of years, I moved around because of uh, school. So I went to undergrad and then I did a master's and then I did a PhD uh, in chemistry. Uh, that PhD was done at U of T in Toronto. Uh, and uh, and then after that, I went to Ottawa, lived there for a year when I did a postdoc. So, so all this time that I was really involved in my studies, uh, I was also getting very interested in meditation. Um, so it was in 1996 that I met my Tibetan Buddhist Lama teacher, Sasa Brimpache in Toronto at Gadden Choling. Um, and I made a very instant uh, connection with him. Uh, 
you know, in the lead up to actually meeting him, I was really seeking for many years, you know, from the time I was a kid, really. <laughs> so I was ready. Uh, and when I did finally meet him, um, you know, there was no looking back. So I started practicing uh, meditation, Tibetan Buddhist meditation right away in 96, very soon after meeting my teacher uh, with a, a pretty regular uh, daily uh, practice. Um, and that's continued to this day. In fact, the reason I live in Nelson, BC is because uh, Rinpoche is based out of here and we have a big temple uh, on Spurl Creek outside of Nelson. Uh, so 96 is when my Buddhist practice began. Uh, again, I moved around a little bit, ended up in Vancouver in 2001, and right away started practicing yoga. Uh, so I met a teacher there called Swamiji. Uh, she was a Shivananda yoga teacher. <laughs> so I got really interested in that and was practicing Shivananda. Soon after that, it was Iyengar yoga and then Ashtanga, all of them together, really. Uh, so it was, you could say the glory days of yoga in Vancouver through the 2000s, lots of teachers, um, not flashy corporate studios, like people teaching out of living rooms and just um, really good quality practice. So I'm meditating a lot <laughs> every day. I'm doing a lot of yoga and I'm a professor at this point teaching chemistry uh, at Langara College. Um, Is this, that, in this is in Vancouver? Yeah, okay. in Vancouver. Yeah, I moved there in 2001 and lived there for 13 years. And then from there, we moved to Toronto and lived in Toronto for five years before coming to Nelson. Yeah. So Vancouver was really a great time to be there. Uh, our, we had a temple, Buddhist centers, Zazab Rinpoche, his center called Zerling was thriving. So we had regular programming, lots of practice there. Uh, yoga. Some of the yoga was happening at the center. Swamiji was teaching at the center, but she was also teaching from her home. And and again, I was also practicing Iyengar yoga and Ashtanga yoga and all of that. And meanwhile, Matthew, my husband, he's getting interested in Qigong as well. And he was studying with a woman in Toronto uh, called Dorothy Ramian. She goes by Kadro. She's still in Toronto, just outside of Toronto. Wonderful teacher. So I, you know, I took a, an interest as well. And I learned from him and sometimes from her. Um, and then sometime in the mid 2000s, I can't, I honestly, I've been racking my brain. I don't know when exactly, <laughs> but I found a book uh, and it's, it's quite an interesting book. It is called The Sexual Teachings of the White Tigress. Um, and the, the author of this book, do you? <laughs> I know that know? book. Okay. Well, there, I read this book in a, in a, changed my life, really. Uh, so um, the official author on the book title is C. Lai. Uh, actually, it's Stuart Olson. And for this book, because of the nature of the material, he went under a pen name. Um, he's written many, many books, Stuart Olson has. So I read this book and I find answers to questions I'd had for so many years from my Dharma practice, from yoga, that... Um, I don't know. I just couldn't, I just couldn't get answers to, to many of these questions. <laughs> so it was, it blew my mind. It was an interesting book. Um, 
there are parts of the book, you know, some of it is very esoteric, I won't deny it, but many parts of it are just, you know, tiger's waist and doe exercises and practices that are very accessible. And so I learned the practices from the book and I started doing them regularly. And then around 2010, uh, you know, we were hosting the Olympics in Vancouver. I think it was around then, give or take a year or two. Um, I found a teacher in Canada who was a student of Stuart Olson's. She was living in Toronto, outside of Toronto. Her name is C. Lai. Um, she goes sometimes by the name of Lotus. But she was, she. I connected with her and she offered to teach me some of these practices in person. So I flew to Toronto and I got some teachings from her. And then I also managed to get a DVD of practices. Uh, some of his senior students, Stuart senior students, recorded themselves doing some of these practices. And so between that, the book, meeting Lotus in person and getting instruction, and then these DVDs that I had, I um, I started a regular practice. Um, and I can honestly say I've kept it up. I There is a practice called Tiger's Waste. I love it. And I have never, there almost isn't a day that I don't practice it. It's not very long. It's very easy to do. You can do it anywhere. So so, um, yeah, so I've been practicing that since then. Um, <clears throat> and then years later, you know, so I moved from Vancouver to Toronto in 2014. We lived there for five years, and then we come to Nelson. And then I'm starting to meet online, but also through retreats and practices, other Qigong teachers. So I've met Stuart Olson now in, in person in Phoenix. Um, I'm learning Tai Chi from him right now, but I've done lots of study with him. I've done a lot of study with Jill Marin. He's based out of California. So again, a lot of it has been online, but I've also gone to um, California for some retreats with him. And I'm also learning from a woman called Daisy Lee, and she's in uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, I'm actually doing a Qigong teacher training with her this month, starting this month for six months. So you know, still lots of connections with teachers and that sort of thing. Um, and so the teaching part, I've been teaching yoga uh, and Qigong since the pandemic started, mostly online, of course, because that's what the pandemic did to all of us. Yeah. But I also teach uh, at a community center in town um, here in Nelson, it's our local community center called the, the NDCC. And sometimes I'll throw a class together and teach out of uh, other centers like Tagum Hall. And so very local. So sometimes, you know, I get to teach a room of people, you know, in person. And other times it's online. Um, it's all good. You know, whatever works. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. It Just listening to your story of how... Um you know, Qigong and meditation and yoga came about, you're very fortunate, number one, to have found your Lama, which I have heard takes some time, you know, um, not everybody is fortunate to actually find their teacher. And amazing that you found your teacher and just all the different connections that happened to you to, um, get to practice uh, Qigong and meditation and yoga, you are very fortunate to have been able to um, either manifest or have made these alignments um, yeah. come true for you. I'm so 
um, happy that it did because now you are teaching us. So very grateful for that. Thank you. I, I feel very fortunate to have met the teachers that I have. Um, you know, not everything in my life has been easy. I've had my share of challenges, but I have to say that in terms, like the karma for meeting with good teachers has been there for me. It's true. Very fortunate. Yeah. And happy to share whatever I'm learning, you know, to the best of my abilities. Definitely. Thank you for doing this. I would like to talk to you about Qigong in particular um, and wanted to know what is Qigong and how is Qigong, because you mentioned Tai Chi, how is Qigong different from Tai Chi? Good question. Yeah, so uh, they're very similar in a lot of respects. And you could say that there's a lot of overlap between Tai Chi and Qigong. Um, they're both rooted in ancient China. Uh, they both have their roots in Taoism. Um, they both involve, you know, meditative practices, movement, conscious breathing. They both have tremendous benefit uh, health-wise, and I'll speak more to that in a little bit. Um, but Tai Chi technically is considered a martial art, uh, a soft mar martial art. So, you know, it's not one of these hard Kung Fu martial arts, but it is a self-defense practice. Uh, so it has, you know, postures with applications in self-defense. Um, whereas Qigong doesn't have that component. Qigong is not a martial art. Uh, there's no self-defense component to Qigong. Um, so some people, they practice Tai Chi for the martial art component, uh, you know, for self-defense purposes. Um, nevertheless, they'll get great benefit for health and vitality and longevity. Uh, other people, I guess myself included, will practice Tai Chi or learn Tai Chi mostly for the health benefit. Um, and then the self-defense part, well, hey, why not? <laughs> you know, it's sure. there. Yeah. Hopefully I'll never need it, but, uh, but it's, it's a, it's a part of it and it's a beautiful part of it actually, because it's not a, you know, there's nothing aggressive in it. It's just about, um, sort of changing your mindset around, you know, interactions with people, the potential for there to be, uh, violence and how to transform that in a very skillful way. So the martial art component in Tai Chi is not there in Qigong, um, Tai Chi also, it has, an, there's many lineages for both, by the way. Again, we can speak more about that. Um, so I'm studying my Tai Chi with Stuart Olson and some of his senior teachers like Patrick Gross. Um, and uh, it's it comes from the Yang family. So that's his lineage. Uh, his main teacher was Titi Liang. But anyways, there's lots of different lineages. Um, but when you do learn Tai Chi, you're learning a form, you're learning postures, and there's quite a steep learning curve, I must say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it takes a few months. They say maybe something like three months of committed, regular practice before you start to really get a, a nice feel for the movements. You have a body memory and you can start to deepen your understanding of the practice. But um, it definitely has a learning curve, Tai Chi, I will say. Uh, Qigong, not so much. You, you can take a 30-minute class with a Qigong teacher, learn a very simple movement, and be on your way. 
Um, if that, if so, if you choose that, you know, um, and there's benefits to both. Sometimes Qigong can be presented in a way that's so simple that you might get bored of it, or you might just think just this, just this one movement. Yeah, you could do one simple little movement for the rest of your life and reap incredible rewards. Um, but sometimes it's hard to convince yourself that that's true. <laughs> or you, like I said, or you just get a little bored or it just feels a little stale. And so uh, you can learn many other movements in Qigong, actually. Qigong doesn't have to ever get boring, but Tai Chi definitely doesn't start out feeling boring, I guess is what I'm saying. Like you're there, you know, there's just a lot to learn in Tai Chi. So it's very engaging, uh, but difficult, you know. Um, Qigong can also be very engaging, but it doesn't have to be difficult at all. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess those are the main sort of similarities and the main differences. Are there different forms of Qigong? And if so, how can one go about choosing the right form? Different forms, definitely many. For, uh, well, for Tai Chi, like I mentioned, but uh, for Qigong, many forms. In fact, I was just attending a conference a couple of months ago, a Qigong conference, and uh, somebody said that there were like hundreds of lineages of Qigong. Wow. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, you know, it's a lot like yoga. Uh, so there's, you know, lots of different styles, lots of different lineages. And then even within the lineages, teachers and each teacher taking a slightly different approach. So, you know, it can be a little overwhelming. I think in the end, though, I think, you know, sometimes it's just your karma that decides it you make a connection with somebody or there's a person in your local community center or you hear from a friend, you know, about a teacher that they love or so i think the way to go about it is just to try just to look it up see what's available you might be surprised oh my gosh there's a class happening wednesday nights and it's just down the road or or, you know, there's this teacher that I've heard a lot about. I'm really fascinated by them. I'm going to start following them online. Or, See, you know, you have to do a little bit of the work on your side to seek them out. Um, and if your first experience isn't great, you know, you don't like this teacher or the style or it was too, too, I don't know, calm. You want something more rigorous or keep trying because just like yoga, there's there's something out there for you. Definitely. There's, you know, everything from very rigorous movement, lots of practice, you know, to sitting and meditating. Those are called the Nekung practices and everything in between. Um, and also in your own life and in your own practice, it might evolve. You might, you know, find a practice, a style that you love. You might do it for a few years and then you might just, you know, kind of evolve or change, drift into something different and find that a new practice is what suits you better at that stage of life. So it's, it's changing all the time, just like we're changing all the time, but, um, staying engaged with it, um, is key, you know, being interested, seeking it out, committing to it a little bit, putting some energy, you know, on your side. Um, and then it'll, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher follows, the teacher will find them. So it's the same here, I think. Yeah. Um, yes, I 
what I'm getting from you is for us not to get stuck on what um, what form to choose, but just to explore first and see how our body reacts to it. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, definitely. And maybe maybe you'll like practicing multiple forms or right. for more than one teacher, you know, um, I study with many teachers uh, right now. And one of my Qigong teachers, our practice is done seated the entire time. We sit, we meditate, we visualize, we work with energy, with breath and prana, and we don't move. <laughs> and then I have another teacher who never sits. We move the whole time, a Daisy Lee. It's much more movement with her. Um, so, you know, I love them both. Uh, yeah. So it's just connecting with different styles, different approaches, different teachers, and being flexible and open about it, I think. I was just thinking of the word flexible and you said it. Um, yeah. And what I'm understanding is that it's okay also to have multiple teachers. Sometimes in practice, I think we feel like we need to have one teacher. But speaking with you and listening to what you're saying, that it's okay to have multiple teachers and practice. That's a, that's a very good point. It's an excellent point. And there are different schools of thought on that. Um, and again, it's very personal. And for some people, finding one teacher in one school um, is, is the way to go, uh, you know, because it can be confusing to get different kinds of instructions. Sometimes the different instructions can even seem to be contradictory, and that can cause I don't know, like I said, a little bit of confusion, a little bit of doubt, a hesitation in the student. So it depends on the, the student as well. That's what um, I was also thinking too, yes. Yeah. Um, one, you know, if you find an amazing teacher and that might be enough for you, studying with this one teacher for decades, um, your whole life, it might be that, you know, or uh, in my personal practice of everything, Dharma and yoga and Qigong, that just doesn't seem to be the way for me. And it isn't even a choice, really. It's just how it is. It's just how it is. Sometimes things are just how they are with, totally. without your, your, you controlling it. Yeah, I think so. Because my Matthew, my husband, in our Dharma practice, he's very much about a one, you know, one lineage, one teacher, one, you know, it's just how it is with him. And it works really well. And I've always had this karma to connect with different kinds of teachers. And, and when they say things that seem to contradict each other, it doesn't bother me in the least. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it. In fact, I quite enjoy it. And I work, it's part of how I work in my practice, but um, for other people, it can be a game changer. It can be, you know, this is it. I don't, I don't understand. They're contradicting each other. This might, this mustn't work. Um, so I think you have to decide too. And then that can change. You might have one teacher for a long time and then it can, the karma can change for you, you know? So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think it is important to respect lineage and when a lineage is represented in a, you know, in its traditional context and form, that that be respected, you know, so that that is important, um, even when you are doing different practices with different teachers. Yeah, absolutely.
Qigong is energy work and it involves visualization. Can you please expand on that? <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> so um, energy for sure. So Qigong, Qi is breath, uh, prana, energy, uh, life force, you know, vitality, Qi. Yeah, it's a big word. Gong is the practice of, the cultivation of, um, skillful means. It's, uh, you know, it's the work, the practice, the discipline. So that's what Qigong is. So in its very name, we have the working of Qi, the working of energy, of prana. Uh, and there's lots of ways of approaching it. It can be sitting and visualizing. It can be working with the breath. It can be moving the body. But in all instances, you're engaging uh, the chi, uh, the the flow of this uh, energy. Breath, of course, is very coarse. Um, but when we get more and more subtle, uh, we can get to the movement, the flow of energy uh, in, in the body. You know, initially, we just work with the breath. The breath, we all can access the breath. We all understand the breath. But that's a, a bridge, a tool to get into more subtle forms of of breath, you could say, or energy. Um, so yeah, it works with energy for sure. It's, I mean, if you're not working with energy, you're not doing Qigong, but however you're working with energy, you're, I mean, even if you're just walking and you're breathing mindfully, uh, you know, that could be Qigong too, really. Um, now the visualization component is interesting. So, uh, so there's the idea of mindfulness, awareness, the mind, engaging the mind, and then there's the practice of visualization. They're not exactly the same thing, right? Um, so the mind, for sure, we're always engaging in our practice. The body, the breath, and the mind, all three together, all the time. Um, the, the actual practice of visualizing is something you can do, and sometimes we do it. Um, there is an example, the microcosmic orbit. Maybe you've heard of this practice, you're, you're kind of visualizing the flow of chi up the spine and down the front through these two meridians at the back and the front. Um, there's other practices. They're called nekung practices uh, where we work with organs and the elements of the body. Lots of visualization there. Um, so, uh, or you can do sunning. There's all different approaches where we can be using the tool of visualization. You know, it, like there's a practice I do a lot. It's called sunning, uh, where we look at the sun with our eyes closed. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> so you're facing the direction of the sun, but you're visualizing the energy of the sun entering your eyes and then your optic nerves and your brain and spilling down your spinal cord and going at all the nerves of the body and bathing the body. So there's definitely a component of visualization there. Um, but sometimes it's not as intentional, the visualization, maybe at the beginning of practice, you're setting an intention uh, and it could be visual, but you might just um, let it go and just work with the aspect of more mindfulness. Mindfulness is always there <laughs> in our practice. Um, visualization is sometimes there. Yeah. So I hope that clarifies it a little bit. One of my teachers is kind of, sometimes we can really, you know, split hairs on these terms. And he took issue actually with the idea of visualization. Um, and I don't want to get into it, but the visualization is a tool. And in the end, we don't want to be fantasizing so much. That's not the idea. We don't want to be 
trying to go to some other distant land or planet and be in a body that's not ours and on a, in a different environment. So we're not using visualization as a tool for fantasy. We're using it as a, a means, a method for accessing our body, uh, different emotional states, and maybe amplifying certain states, you know? Um, so it's a tool. Um, but if you're fantasizing, the idea there is that you're kind of escaping your life and your reality. And Qigong is not at all about escaping. It's very much about being fully present to our bodies, our breath, our mind, our environment. Yeah. Now you spoke about um, Qigong connecting with the mind and the body, but you didn't use the word spirit. Uh, is that, is that uh, like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, it's a good one. Um, so in our practice of Qigong, uh, we, we always are mindful of our bodies. We move our bodies, or even if we're sitting and meditating, we're very aware of our posture, our spine and all of that. Now that's our body. Um, of course, Tai Chi, and that's very much about involving a body. Uh, our breath, we're mindful of the breath. Uh, maybe we're simply aware of how we're breathing, just being aware of our breathing. We're improving our breathing all the time. Uh, or maybe we're um, uh, actually modifying our breath a little bit, holding our breath at times, expanding the breath, embryonic breathing. There's different kinds of breath practices. Um, and then the mind, like I said, always mindful, sometimes visualization, but sometimes simple, just awareness, you know? So this is a mind. Now the spirit, uh, how do we isolate? Actually, how do we isolate any one of these components from the other, the body from the breath and the breath from the mind, the mind from the body, you know, we talk about them like they're distinct things, but in our practice, and sometimes it's helpful to address them separately, but we can't help but notice in our lives that they're interconnected, they overlap. You know, my mind is a little bit anxious, my breathing becomes shallow and fast, and then my heart starts racing and my stomachs, you know, so it's all related. It, it's all interconnected. The spirit of all of these things, I guess you could say, is maybe the most ephemeral, um, hard to pinpoint. But, um, you know, the spirit is almost like our most refined self. Um, and we're using all these tools, the body, the breath, our mind, um, to, to become more refined with our spirit. You know, um, we know we're making progress when we're happier, more patient, more understanding, less triggered, less angry, you know. Um, so we can't help but benefit our spirit. We can't help but become more evolved, um, more wise, more compassionate. That will happen, you know, almost on its own with our practice. So that's the spirit part. And people will do their practice for different reasons. Some people will do the practice to heal their spirit. Some people will do it for physical reasons. No matter what motivates you, you're working on all levels and benefiting all levels. Yeah. I love that. Speaking of benefit, what are some benefits of Qigong? <laughs> Many benefits. <laughs> Physical benefits, for sure. Health, you know, vitality. If you deal with illness or, 
you know, one of my teachers likes to use the term uh, healing project. She doesn't like disease, illness as a term. So she uses he healing projects. Who among us doesn't have them? I'm you know, sorry, you what is what is the I, P word? Healing? Healing project, a project. Oh, I get it. Okay. Like school project. Yes, yes, yes. Healing project. So, you know, you've got a diagnosis, you know, that's your healing project. Um, you have chronic migraines you know, that's a healing project. So yeah, so physical, so you, you might come at this uh, practice with, you know, some physical issues that you want to address and there will be benefit. Um, it might be emotional, you know, depression, anxiety. It's it's rampant in our culture. It's yes. huge, mm -hmm. huge. It's tremendous. Um, Qigong definitely improves our mood, our spirit. Um, and even if we don't have an issue right now, uh, or if we don't fully understand the issue, maybe we think the issue is just a stomach ache, but in fact, it's deeper, you know, there's trauma that we haven't resolved, whatever it is. You don't even have to understand the problem fully. Qigong will help you. Qigong, it, you don't even have to know what's going on. It will help. It supports your body to heal itself. And it makes no distinction between your physical body, your emotional body, and your spiritual body because they're all connected. So even if it's, a, like I said, a physical problem that you're dealing with, Qigong will get to the root of it, even if you don't understand it, you know? That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing because... Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. You know, we think we understand the problem. Maybe we do. Um, but uh, Qigong doesn't need us to know what it is exactly. It will still help us. And over time, we'll get better and better at understanding what the issue is. We'll get more subtle in our understanding. We'll get more tuned in. You know, it's another way of developing intimacy with ourselves and with the people around us. So it's not just you know, a magical thing, we actually get more tuned in, more sensitive, more responsive. We get insights into ourselves through our practice. So we can't help to heal. You have just inspired me. To, <laughs> Good. Yes. Right. To, to take it on. What is an ideal time to practice Qigong? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. It's a very practical question. And those are great questions because you know, we can talk about this, but if we're not actually practicing it, it's not making any difference. In yeah, because it, because it's energy work um, and could revitalize us. Is it something that we can do, you know, when we come home from work? Or is it something that needs to be done, say, in the morning before work or lunchtime? Yeah, I, you know... This is a question, I think about it often, my students ask it often, and I've seen many other teachers deal with this question from other students. It's a good question, it's very practical. I would say, do whatever works for you in your life right now. You know, some of it, some people are raising kids, some people have very demanding jobs or whatever it is, you know, family, commitments, all kinds of things. Um, so if I say, oh, the morning is the best time to practice, because traditionally that's when people practiced it. Well, you know, maybe you have to rush out of bed and get to work and, you know, the morning just isn't a practical time. So 
whatever works in your schedule, and it doesn't have to be hours of practice. And I know we're going to talk about this, yeah, but um, a little bit of practice done regularly will bring great benefit, great reward. So whatever works in your schedule, you know, can you fit 20 minutes in, in your lunch hour, or when you come home from work, you know, is that a good time? Or are you tired and thinking about dinner? Um, maybe you're an evening person and you like to do practice in the evening. There's no problem with that. Um, some practices are a little bit energizing and maybe you don't want to do it just before bed. Some, but many practices are fine to do even before bed. I personally prefer the morning. So if I have a busy day, I do better getting up earlier and practicing before my busy day than doing it at the end of the day. But not everybody's the same. So whatever works, it that's the most important thing. Um, yeah. I have a scenario for you. Say, for <laughs> example, one works out in the morning for 30 minutes. Would it be advisable to do Qigong before that 30 minute of workout? Like say strength training and um, aerobics. So it's it's movement uh, like that. At, or do we do Qigong after we do something with that much movement? Sure. Um, so I think either one is fine again. And because Qigong is so varied, you know, the, the kinds of practices that you might do before a rigorous workout might be, you know, getting suppleness into your joints. So there's a lot of joint movement. It might be working with your breath a little bit. So exercises that are kind of warming up um, can be done. Uh, I teach, for example, at the community center, I teach a, a 90 minute, it's called uh, actually, the name always changes. Right now, it's called Vinyasa Flow. My students don't know that I, th I throw in tons of Qigong. <laughs> well, actually, because <laughs> you know, I'm always telling them, but yeah. it doesn't say it in the in in the outline. <laughs> they come for yoga and they got yoga, but they got lots of Qigong. And I do Qigong before the practice. I actually weave Qigong in through the whole practice. And then we definitely do some Qigong at the end of the practice. So what does that look like? warm-ups some of the qigong warm-ups like i said to get the body supple to expand the breath to set an intention to warm up the joints so some warm-ups at the beginning and then we'll do lots of flows because that's what they've come to do is a lot of vigor you know like kind of like ashtanga style lots of flow lots of movement but hey there's qigong in that too you know um just by being aware of the breath working with the breath and then after we do that practice, I will often spend a few minutes, 10, 15 minutes doing some Qigong at the end of it. And what I love to do after a rigorous workout, and it could be after a jog or a hike, or when you really feel like your blood is pumping and you're really warm, um, I like to be standing at that point. There's something called earth breathing Qigong, or maybe you know, know it as the tree stance or the horse stance, something yes. like that. So you're standing. Uh, but, and you're, you're very stable and strong, but you're not rigid or locked, you know, um, and then you can start exploring movement energy uh, between your hands, I call it holding a chi ball, we hold this ball, this imaginary ball, but it's actually a ball of energy between our palms, and there's different movements and stretching that we can do. Somehow I find that at this point in our workout and our practice, we're more 
tuned into the energy. Our blood is flowing. We're very warm. And so feeling energy in the hands and the palms, feeling energy in our body, it becomes very accessible for many students at that point. It's quite interesting. So I, I will do Qigong before. I will do it after. It just depends on how much time you have. But when you're really quite pumped and, and energized, uh, see if you can, in a standing practice, explore a little bit the sensation of chi in your body. And you might be surprised at how quickly it can come at that stage. That's what I found. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. How much time do you recommend we dedicate to Qigong? <laughs> well, I recommend being realistic about it. Um, ideally, a little bit every day is great. Now, that's not always possible. Yes. Maybe 20 minutes a day. I mean, if you think about it, 20 minutes, really, it's not that much time. How, you know, how... How many minutes do we waste? You yes. know, all kinds of things. I know. Yes. Look, I get I know too myself. Like <laughs> but um, so 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes daily, most days is what I recommend. If it ends up being three days a week, wonderful. That's great, you know. If it if it's only once a week, you know, half an hour, even then it's good. This is good. You're gonna notice benefit. The key is if you keep it up, whatever you're keeping up um, as a practice, you'll start to notice benefits. You'll enjoy it. You'll notice how you feel on the days that you do the practice. I just feel better. I feel more energy. I feel less angry. I feel happier, whatever it is. And you'll want to do it. Um, and when you get to that place where it's not like, oh my God, I really have to do this. I should do this. It's good for me. You know, it starts to become, oh my God, I love this. I want to do this. You know, I'm going to do this 20 minutes. I'm going to do this. Um, it, it becomes a habit. And then there will be days where you don't do it. You're traveling, you're sick, whatever. You're so busy. You're just not. And then you'll start to really notice, oh, I don't feel so good. You, you start to really observe the difference in your life between when you're practicing regularly, how you feel and when you've let it slip and you're not, you're not like punishing yourself and flagellate. It's not like, oh, I'm so bad. It's just like, wow, I just noticed a difference. And you just get back on that wagon and you pick it up again and you fall off again and again, and you just keep getting back on it again and again. And that's how it is, you know? Like meditation sometimes like, for like some meditation. of us, we fall yeah. off and get back on and you get back on. And like Rinpoche says, you know, just because you forget to eat a meal, if you, if you do, I never forget to eat, <laughs> but if you happen to forget to eat for some reason, you don't just decide, okay, well, that's it. I'm not eating anymore. Cause I've forgotten. What you, I, just, yes. you just, okay, I'll eat now. Okay. So I've forgotten or I haven't done it. Okay. Big deal. I'll do it again. You know, it's, it happens to all of us. You just pick it up again and, uh, and keep going. So, you know, 20 minutes, most days would be great. Um, even if it's just once a week, you know, you will notice a benefit. Once a week, you will notice benefit. Less than once a week, that's really not great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, once a week is good. You know, it might be a start. Um, if it's once a week, maybe it's a little longer than 20 minutes. Um, 
another way approach of approaching it is to do like a lead class once a week. Maybe the lead class is an hour, 90 minutes. Um, and then you might find that some of the things that you learn in, you, in your practice, that you do it here and there. You're driving your car, you're waiting in line at the grocery store, and you just breathe a little differently, more into your Dantian into your belly. Um, you know, so you can also weave some of the principles into your everyday life. Qigong becomes a way of living before you're falling asleep, you know, how you're walking, how you're socializing. It informs everything that you end up doing. It takes time, but you start to see little shifts. You experiment with these things throughout the day. Um, and then another approach, one other um, something I'm going to throw out there is to maybe if you ever have an opportunity to do it as an intensive, almost like a retreat practice, like maybe one weekend, uh, or maybe you sign up for a week somewhere or something like that. And when you have an experience like that, where you can really go in deep for a few days, then you, you can get a taste um, of something deeper uh, and it just, um, it, it takes your baseline to a new level. You know, in your day-to-day -day life, what's possible. You've experienced it in your body. So that's another approach, a daily practice or maybe a weekly practice, you know, ideally 20 minutes a day, if that's possible, or maybe three times a week, at least once a week. And then if an opportunity presents itself, or if you're, you know, if you can even carve out the time you know, doing a bit of an intensive and getting a, a good, deep personal experience of the practice that way can also, you know, make a difference in our lives. Thank you for giving us um, choice and the flexibility of weaving it into our schedule. I'm going to get a little personal okay. and I'd like to ask you, what have you noticed about Qigong? Um, as you continue to practice in yourself? Wow. Um, it's hard, you know, sometimes it's hard to answer a question like that because I've been practicing for years regularly. I don't know uh, what my life would be like if I weren't practicing. Um, but I can say that um, I'm in my 50s. Um, I'm at an age now, you know, menopause is happening it's happening to my friends. It's, uh, you know, also other kinds of physical challenges. Uh, and I do personally feel very vital, uh, energetic. I feel healthy. I feel honestly just as healthy as I did 20, 30 years ago. In That's many amazing. Ways. Wow. I do. Um, I, you know, I just, I hiked up a mountain yesterday, pulpit. It's not easy, but you know, it wasn't easy 20, 30 years ago either. <laughs> you know, it so it just feels um I feel healthy and vital. I feel my mood uh is very much improved. Um, not just happy, but like a sense of purpose and meaning, you know? It brings uh it brings meaning into my life and purpose for sure. Um how does and, it do that? How does it bring meaning and purpose? Because I think it feels like I've committed to a healing journey. It's not just a physical exercise. It's about healing and it's about 
um, uplifting my spirit. It's about, you know, evolving as a person and becoming a better person, a more enlightened person. Um, so this is a tool, a very effective tool uh, in, in that path for me. So it helps with my meditation practice. Um, it just helps me socialize. It helps me interact with people with more understanding and patience and peace. So it just, it just filters out into every aspect of my life. Um, and then when things happen, as they inevitably do, you know, setbacks, emotional ones, physical ones, um, they happen and I, I get migraines. I get, you know, I, I had to cancel a yoga class because of a migraine. Oh no. And, and when I came, this was at the, my community center. And when I came the week after I had a couple of students say, what you get migraines, like you're a yoga teacher. You are human. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I have a physical body. I have problems like everybody else. Of course I do. Of course, you know, but um, maybe instead of three days, it was one day, you know, and then the day after I recovered, I was back to, you know, uh, you know, my yoga and my Qigong practice. So I feel a little more resilient, you know, when I have a setback, um, it can be an emotional one too. I feel like I can bounce back, uh, you know, a little quicker, um, a little more easily, you know, um, yeah, that's, it's so it's, I can't imagine my life without it honestly. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing such a personal uh, note to us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You have a wonderful website. I love it. I've been on it. Okay. It's very easy to understand. Um, can you please tell us about it? And yeah, I'm very, sure. Thank you. Thanks for asking. I'm quite proud of it, actually, because it's new. You should. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I uh, replaced another website. So this is um, the Suka uh, the offering tree website. Um, it's quite clear. It's a great platform. So it's a website that's interactive that allows people to sign up for classes, to reach out to me with questions, um, and you can join classes live. You can access recordings. So I think uh, as an interactive platform for people to uh, access a whole wealth of resources and classes, I think it's it's working quite well. Um, I have some classes live coming up starting next week, actually. Well, I should say starting September 11th. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm not sure when this is airing. I hope it gives people a chance. But even if you can't make it live, every class that I do live, it gets recorded and it gets put up onto the website. And so people can access all of those classes and practice from them. And it's a mixture of yoga uh, some flow yoga. There's also restorative yoga. And then there's a dedicated Qigong class. And even the yoga classes have a lot of Qigong in them. So um, my schedule, it's a little different from what I've done in the past Mondays. I'm starting off with my Qigong class. That's the first class of the week. And it's going to set the tone for the whole week. I'll introduce some practice and a theme. And then we're going to weave that theme in to the other classes that I teach. So Wednesday, when I teach Chi Flow, we'll, you know, work out some of that in a theme in the Chi Folk class and also with the restorative yoga class. So, so the Monday morning Chi class, Chi, uh, sorry, Qigong class, revitalizing Qigong class, 
that's uh, when I kind of feature a practice and uh, we set an intention, we explore a theme, and then and then we flesh it out throughout the week. Um, and since we're starting this next series of classes in September, it's going to be uh, a lot of uh, fall themed classes, fall time, metal time, breathing, breath, feeling. Um, so a lot of, you know, work around that. We just finished a summer themed course and it was a lot of heart, movement, heat, you know, intent, like it just had a different energy. We were working with the energy of fire. Um, we've gone through earth and now we're coming into metal. So we'll explore a lot of that in our practice. Yeah. Excellent. Are your are your live classes once a week every month? Or how like how will it work if this is not aired in time? Right. Okay. So so what's coming up now is six weeks of my fall theme. Uh, and so it's starting September 11th. So for six weeks, I'm going to be doing these classes. And like I said, they're all up on the website, uh, all the recordings go up. And so people can join whenever, you know, you can take classes from the past. Um, so, uh, and then I'm going to take just a little break and then we're going to get into the winter session. That'll start in November. And um, I'm I'm keeping to a schedule like this right now because uh, at my husband and I were we're building a house, we're building a yurt on our land. Here that is exciting! Great, it's exciting. <laughs> it's a lot of work, <laughs> um, but we're finally getting there after years of working on it. And wow. so soon, um, it'll be a new semester in a new beautiful space. I will be teaching online through this space, but I will also be accessible to people who are local. Um, so, uh, but it's all happening as we speak, September, October, where the house is coming, we're gonna get it ready. We're finalizing all these little thing details. There's so many of them. I can um, imagine. So in the meantime, I'm gonna keep teaching from the space that I've been teaching at here, at, you know, where I'm renting, it's working out well. Um, and then come November, it's going to be an exciting, beautiful yurt in the mountains of British Columbia by a creek. It's a it's a gorgeous spot. So so it'll be, you know, an opportunity for people to connect even with the energy of the, the, the place. It's so very healing. And Qigong is about our breath. It's about our body, but it's also about our environment you know, the air and the water and the earth and the sky. So, you know, we work with these elements. They're very healthy and strong here. And um, and I'm sure they are where you are as well. And and so we can create this web, you know, all over the planet where we're working on ourselves and working on our environment. Um, so I'll be doing that out of a yurt in BC. <laughs> that yeah. sounds so beautiful. <laughs> and I am so excited for you. To, Thank you to have this new session in your yurt or beside your yurt. Yeah. Around your yurt. yurt right? Yeah. Well, it'll be weather depending. Exactly. So, yeah. We do get a lot of snow here. So you'll see lots of snow around the yurt for a few months. But whenever I can be outside the yurt, it'll be there too because there's a creek right by the yurt. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah. So um, but 
you know, I'm practicing in a basement apartment right now and that's working just fine too. So <laughs> we make yeah. it work wherever we are. Yes. <laughs> we practice wherever we have the space to. The most important thing is that we are making efforts to practice. Totally. And just dealing with our circumstances, whatever they are, you know, um, my, one of my great teachers, he's been teaching out of Phoenix and Phoenix has had very difficult summer, very hot this summer. And he's been teaching from inside. And so we're all just working the best that we can with our circumstances. And when they allow it, you know, we go outside in nature, we make the most of that, but you know, I also teach inside a lot. So that's, you know. And it's the same when we practice. If you can do it outside in a park by a body of water, wonderful. And if you can't, wonderful. <laughs> practice by your bed. You know, that works too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Every guest gets asked this request. Um, can you share with us a personal quote that resonates with you? Sure. Um, I love this one. This is basically my motto. Heal yourself and become contagious. I love that. Heal yourself and become contagious. Yeah. <laughs> That's very magical. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. Um, you know, we think of contagions as being <laughs> viruses and bacteria and harmful things, but actually when you do a lot of your own personal work um, and you whatever you evolve as a person spiritually, however that looks, you become contagious. You vibrate on a higher level. People notice it. You inspire people in their own practice and in their own journeys. Uh, it is contagious. We're not, you know, going out there trying to convert people. Um, we're doing our own personal work. We're helping others wherever we can, uh, but it can't help but improve the lives of everyone around us. It ripples out to our friends, our family, our community, our environment. It is contagious. That's so beautiful. Christina, what brings you joy and reward in your practice? <laughs> is seeing that, <laughs> the ripple effect. I um, love it. it. Yeah, is seeing other students, you know, on their own personal journeys. It looks different for everybody, but everybody making their own, you know, progress, having insights, overcoming their own, conflicts, whatever it is. And then, you know, becoming healers themselves, making a difference in their families and in their communities with their colleagues. Uh, so it's that ripple effect that I love to see. Yeah. That inspires me. Definitely. That is beautiful. Christina, thank you so much for being a guest. On thank the you, Sheila on the Alternative Healing Podcast. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Sheila. It was lovely connecting with you again. Thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Um, and I hope this helps, however it does. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Discovering Alternative Healing Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and would like to get notified as soon as a new one is uploaded, kindly press follow on the top of your screen. Additionally, to be part of our Instagram community, we're at Discovering Alternative Healing. With gratitude, take good care.